I want to encourage you to stay close to the Lord in your heart and your mind right now. Let's stay focused on Him uh, this morning. Uh, I think He has, I believe with all my heart, that He has a desire to do something good, something amazing in this service today. I know that there's a, a, a phrase that's gone around lately, especially over the last two, week, uh, two years, and it's like following science. Let's follow the science. You ever heard that statement? Let's follow the science. It's an interesting thing because science in itself is a study. It, it's a study of the natural world, the world that we know around us, through, and we do it through observation and experimentation. So science by its nature is constantly changing as we learn more about the world in which we live, more about the things around us, the more about the universe, the more about uh, the human body, everything around us, science talks about, deals with what we know, and we're constantly learning more. Uh, Copernicus, he was a Polish astronomer, scientist in the late 15th century. Up until that point, uh, we had a, a uh, worldview that the earth was the center of the universe. And he came along and said we had a heliocentric solar system. That the earth revolved around the sun. And I hate to admit it, but it was the church that led the chorus of, of voices against him. They said, how dare you think that the earth could be second to anything that God has created? Not even recognizing that God created the sun and the moon and the stars and he could, he could put the earth in orbit anywhere he wanted to. So science of the day said, you're wrong. But then he was proven right. For many generations, centuries, people believed, and there are people today that believe that the earth is flat. And that if you travel too far, you'll fall off the edge. If you believe that, God bless you. Uh, but I believe that we have proven in fact, Scripture says that the earth is a sphere. It's a globe. It's, it's round. The thing that bothers me about the changes is Pluto. My dear ninth planet Pluto is no longer there. I was taught my entire life that Pluto, the baby planet, was out there I wanted to live in a solar system that had nine planets, but alas, it's gone. Doesn't that hurt? Doesn't that hurt when you've been taught something your entire life and then science says, you know, I need to correct this because we once said this, but now we've studied and we, and we know more. And now... We know better. Let me give you this. This is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? 
why are you here today? I can tell you why you're here today. You say, can you read minds? No, I can't read minds. Wouldn't that be a scary thing to do? Whew. I mean, my own thoughts scare me. Um, we're here today because we believe that a man born a little over 2,000 years ago, are you ready for this? Was born of a virgin. Oh, well, that flies in the face of science. He was born of a virgin. Do you believe that? He was born of a virgin, and get this, he lived a perfect life. Oh, come on, he never had a bad thought? No. He never did anything bad? No. He never lied? No. He never stole? He never cheated? He was perfect. And get this, he was born of a virgin because his dad was God. You mean the creator, a spirit that we have never seen? Yes, that God was his dad. And he lived on this earth, and the reason why he came, are you ready for this? Is because humanity is lost. They needed, they needed somebody to come rescue them. So he came and he died and he shed his blood and his blood somehow miraculously we don't know how but his blood is able to forgive all sins because it appeased God. And this same man that was born of a virgin that his father was God that died on a cross that shed his blood so that, that people could be forgiven. And uh, he, he rose again after three days. Because all of us know lots of people that have risen from the dead. And he's alive. And he said, I'm going to come back. And do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you eternal life. Wow, doesn't that fly in the face of science today? In fact, there are many in the world today that would call you either a liar or simple-minded. I've been called a lot worse. Can you believe that, that the evidence just doesn't point to the fact that what we believe is true. It, it flies in the face of science. So you say, well, why do we believe it? It's this thing called faith. And faith is given to each of us. And, and faith is developed when the presence of God and the word of God come into our life. And we hear it and we believe it and we accept it and we trust it. 
I, I know that I know that I know that Christ lives. I know that he lived. I know that he's alive today. And I know that he is going to give me eternal life. Why? Because I have faith in him. And the more faith I have in him, the more real he becomes. And the more real he becomes, the more my eyes are opened. And I'm able to see through spiritual uh, vision what God has prepared for those that trust in him. And yet it flies in the face of what the world esteems as science. I would, I would suggest to you that what science doesn't know is the truth. Because when we find out, just as our dear Pluto is no longer a planet... Because we knew more. That, that Copernicus was correct as we learn more. That as we learn more, that as humanity really learns more about life and reality, they will come to the conclusion that, that what we believe in is absolute, infinite truth. That it will never, ever change. How do you know that? Scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus, your Lord. What you believe is true. And here's, here's, the, here's the point that I want to get to. It's the wisdom that you lean on will determine your understanding. If you lean on the wisdom of the Spirit of God, if you, if you lean on the Word of God, if you trust in it, it's going to give you a different understanding as if you lean on the wisdom of man. Now you say, now, are, are you against science? Absolutely not. There's a lot of things that, that scientists have, have discovered about God's creation that are amazing. You know, it's, it's what you call better living through chemistry. You know, you get a headache, you go take, you go take in ibuprofen. You know, and, and, you know it, it's, and you say, well, well, science did that. No, science just discovered part of God's creation. See, science is about discovering. Science doesn't create. Science discovers. Science is about the study of discovery through observation. The, script, the more you know about God, the more he will reveal to you his truth. So it's, it's really, I'm not against science, I'm for science. I'm just saying that Christians are ahead of the curve. Amen? But it's the wisdom you lean on will determine the understanding that you have, not only of this world, but the world to come. 1 Corinthians one twenty one says this. Paul says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by its own wisdom didn't know God. The reason why the world doesn't know God, it's not because God's hiding. It's because they're looking at the world through their own wisdom. Isn't that incredible? 
It's kind of like when your wife tells you to go look in the refrigerator for the jar of pickles, knowing you will never find the jar of pickles, even though they're right there. And she walks over and picks them up and smiles at you like, The reason why the world does not see what you see is because they're looking at the world through their own human reasoning. And it blinds them to God. But listen to the rest of this. But it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. If I was ever going to get a big head about the occupation that I have, that just deflated my ego. The foolishness of preaching. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm a fool for Christ. The foolishness of preaching saves those that believe. God chose to use preaching, a voice to proclaim his message of the gospel to save those that believe. Those that believe are the ones that allow the the gospel to touch their spirit and, and faith rises and they realize that there is something true about this. Though science can't explain it, though the world can't explain it, though my friends may think I'm, I, I'm off the beaten path, uh, there's something in my spirit that says, this is right, this is truth, and I am going to follow it. And it comes not through man's wisdom, not through man's Uh, prowess, uh, uh, an expertise of, of language. It doesn't come through human reasoning or intellect. It comes through the gospel, the truth about the word of God. That God used preaching to save. And I wanted you to keep in mind, too, that it's not always the vast majority that is right. You are in a minority. Did you realize that in the world? I think the world itself, Christianity is about 10% of people. That, that we are one out of every 10 in the world. So if there's nine that says yes and one that says no, it doesn't mean that the one that says no is, is not correct. After all, Noah preached for 100 years the foolishness that it was going to rain. And they'd never had rain. They never saw rain. They didn't know what rain was. Well, what's rain, Noah? It's water coming from the sky, and it's going to flood the entire earth. And he preached not a day, not two days, not a week, not a month, not a year, not 10 years. 100 years years while he was building what God had commanded him to build and God even gave him the blueprint to build it is that cool who was right 
It was the eight that got in the ark. And who is right in the church? Is it, is it the world that says you're not correct? Or is it those that are in the church that God de- developed, that God established, God gave us the blueprint? And we're living it out. So my, tr- my, my response to you is, Christ said he's coming back. And it doesn't matter what your neighbor says. It doesn't matter what our, the local scientist says. It doesn't matter what your pharmacist says. It doesn't matter what your grocery clerk says. It really just doesn't matter. The truth is Christ said he's coming back. And just as Noah preached for 100 years that it's going to rain and then it rained and it was too late for them because he'd already shut the door, Christ is coming back and he is going to come back and it's, and he's, and it's going to happen. And, and right now is the opportunity for for us to be able to get in the church, to get in the ark, and to make sure that, that, that we and our family and our friends and our neighbors hear the gospel and are able to make a decision for Christ. Because when he comes back, the door's closed. And you say, well, well, that the church doesn't have any issues of human uh, knowledge or intellect trying to infiltrate the church oh boy what do you think the uh, the letters in in the new testament are all about they're all about god's messengers paul peter john others that are trying to help god's people understand that you it's the gospel it's not human intellect in in first corinthians chapter 2 Paul's dealing with Christians that are, that are falling into the wisdom of human reasoning. And, and some of them are saying that, well, I'm a Paul or I'm a Peter or I, I'm of Christ. And they're, and they're following different people and they're beginning to fracture the church because of human reasoning. And, and they fail to understand that it's not about following men or women, it's about following God. And, and they forget, and, 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 and you know, and now I understand that they're in Greece, and, and Greece is, is the home of reasoning and philosophy, and, and even to this day, if you go to Greece, there are coffee shops everywhere, and you sit down, and people will love to be able to, to get into a discourse with you about any topic that you want to talk about. Because it's just built into them. It's who they are. It's, it's, it's absolutely amazing. I absolutely love it. But these Christians had divided themselves by, by their philosophy. And, and Paul comes to them and he says, come on, it's not about this. And, and in, in, in chapter 2, verse 1, he says... And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. He said, I came to you, and I came to you without. I did not come with man's wisdom, with man's mental acumen, with man's intellect. I did not, I was unarmed with any philosophy of man because man's wisdom persuades, but God's power demonstrates. 
He said, I didn't come to you with the knowledge that I learned when I was a child. I didn't come to you with anything else. I had nothing in my hand, but I came to you and I proclaimed the testimony about God, the gospel. I want you to look at those last three words there, the testimony telling the truth about God. It's the gospel. What he is saying is Christ is fully God, fully man. That Christ came and he did uh, come to this earth born of a virgin. He did come to this earth and lived a sinless life. And he did come because man had fallen from grace. He did come to save to the uttermost those that believe in him. He did come to set the captive free and to open the prison gates to those that were bound by sin. He came to set us free. He came to deliver us. He came to give us hope and life and promise. He came. He said, I didn't come to you with with my knowledge. I didn't come to you with anything in my hand other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go on. He said, for I resolved. I love that word resolved. It's not dissolved. I resolved, I determined, I made a conscious decision. Don't you love that? As the three Hebrew children, they made a resolution to stand. He resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I didn't bring anything in my hands. There was nothing in me. I just brought to you the gospel. I brought Christ crucified. That's all I brought. I brought Christ crucified. I didn't bring to you anything else. I resolved to know nothing except Christ Because it's the gospel that transforms. It's the death, burial, and resurrection that that when we speak the truth about Christ and what Christ did, what Christ does, what Christ is going to do, that is the only message that will stir the heart of men and women that generates faith. It's not about your speech. It's not about how eloquent you are. It's about the presence and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ okay let's go off the notes if we want to be a church if we want to be a church full of the presence of God then we must get away from everything else that hinders the gospel and begin to just proclaim the message that there's hope in Christ that the world will be saved through Jesus Christ that if you have a situation in your life that you can't resolve I know the one that can and his name is Jesus and he's alive today and he can set you free he still heals the sick he still restores life he still forgives sins he still allows his presence to be in your life he will set you free 
Let me, I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody here or somebody online, but if you're, if you're struggling with life, you're struggling with situations in your life, and you think, oh, there is no hope, man, you, you're listening to the wrong voices. You're li- listening to the, lo- the wrong people. You're ris- listening to, to the wrong uh, TV stations. You need to get away from that and look at the Word of God because the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is truly free. If you want victory in your life, come to Christ. If If you want deliverance in your life, come to Christ. If you need healing in your life, come to Jesus. Look what he says. I chose no other means but the gospel because the gospel is all you need. And he said, I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. Now that's... Can you imagine putting that on your resume? Well, I know you're looking for a pastor, or I'm, I know you're looking for a salesman, but I'm weak, and I have a lot of fear, and I tremble. What does he mean by that? I'm glad you asked. He said, this is my attitude. I came to you with weakness, both personal and physical, realizing I don't have the power or the strength to transform you. I came to you with fear because I want to do well. I have this anxiety in me. I have this anxiety in me because because I know that if if the gospel doesn't change you, you won't change. If, if, if the gospel doesn't uh, touch the faith that's in you and, and, and get you to a place where you'll acknowledge Christ, then I can't do it. And, and I'm weak in my own ability and, I'm, and I have anxiety because I, I know that I can't trust in myself and I have trembling because I, I don't trust in my own ability. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling, I came to you with less of me so he could be more. I came to you with not my speech, but his speech. Not my words, but his words, because I can do nothing, but he can do all things. Don't you think it's time that we quit thinking that we can do some things? Ouch. Let's go on. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, for I'm just like Paul. I found myself right there. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, both spiritual and supernatural. It's the power of the gospel that transforms lives. It's the Holy Spirit that moves on people's lives. It's not us. We, Paul is saying, I was weak, I was feeble. I had to get out of the way and allow the presence of God to do the work. I don't know if I've told you this or not, but I'm going to tell you again because I really like the story. But years ago, I, I was really a, a young pastor. I know you say, well, 
that was a long time ago and it was uh, dinosaurs were extinct at that time uh, but I, I was young pastor and a friend of mine that was pastoring in southern Arkansas rice patties galore asked me to come down and fill in for him one Sunday while he was gone so I said okay I'll, I'll come down and fill in for you and I, I preached on Sunday morning but you have to remember this a long time ago because you had Sunday morning and Sunday night so he not only preached once you preached twice so so on Sunday morning we preached and, and Sunday afternoon I had my sermon lined up I prayed all afternoon all evening got into the service and they're up to the last song and your you know your mind is thinking okay how am I going to intro all this and I'm praying and I hear the voice of the Lord that says say this and I look at my notes and it's not in it and I said well Lord I can't say that because it's not here and I keep going they go to the second verse of the song and I hear that voice that said say this and I said but Lord look it's not there and what would I say after that? And right before the song, and the guy's praying before I get up, I hear the voice of the Lord speak to me again and says, Say this. So I got up and I had my notes. And I was just like Paul I was weak, I was fearful, and I was trembling. And I said that one line. And then another line came, and I said it. And then another line came, and I said it. And I probably did that for three to five minutes. And a lady, you have to keep in mind, I knew nobody in the audience, jumped up, ran down to the front, and gave her life to Christ. The shortest sermon I've ever had. Afterward, she said, Pastor, I don't know how you knew that but you started saying the exact same things I was thinking. Was that me? I'm too stupid. Let's just be real. But that's okay, so are you. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that ability. But when we allow the gospel to do its work, when we allow the Spirit's power to move, and it comes through our weakness. When we are made weak, He is made strong. When we allow ourselves to, to go down, that He may go up. When we allow ourselves to get out of the way and allow the Spirit to use us, amazing things happen. And it's not just supernatural. It's, it's the Spirit using the Word of God to proclaim the Word of God. I think a lot of times Christians, you and I, we, we think that, oh, we need to go through another Bible study so we can understand this just a little bit more before we share the gospel with our neighbors or before we talk to this person over here or, or that person over there. And in reality, that what we really need to be doing is saying, God, help me get out of the way so your gospel can have full effect. I want to encourage you today. Let's, let's begin to allow the gospel to have full effect in our lives. Let's allow the gospel to transform us. See, our responsibility is just to share the gospel. 
It's not, it's not anything else. We just have to be willing and have faith to be obedient and allow God to do the work. Revelation 12:11 says this, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and, and, and the word of their testimony. You know what a testimony is? It's just telling what has happened or what you have seen. What has God done for you? If you tell other people what God has done for you, nobody can dispute it, nobody can deny it, it's the truth. You're telling what you have seen. You are telling what Christ has done for you. It transforms life. My friends, this is an opportunity in our world today. Let's forget about how eloquent we are or how, how much language we can use or how much intellect that we can derive so, uh, or, and build within our, uh, the context of what we're trying to talk about and let's just present Christ crucified. Let's see what God will do. All right, uh, one, one person... Others need to hear. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Others need to hear. But they don't need to hear us. They need to hear him. And when we get ourselves out of the way, that's when God can step in and show himself strong. Do you believe the scripture that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you believe that Jesus healed people yesterday? Do you, does he heal people today? Okay, we're getting better. We had two. It's not about us. It's about leaning on him. We're getting ready to go into communion. The reason why we take communion is because we, we believe. We believe. We believe everything that Christ did. And we're reminding ourselves he gave his body, he gave his blood, because we believe that we were sinners that needed to be saved and that we can trust in him because his, his sacrifice is our salvation. You say, well, can we go into something more eloquent, please, about communion? Oh, we can, but the reality is it's not about that. It's about remembering it's about him and not about us. And he has called us. He's, we are obligated, we are commanded to tell others what he has done for us.